So economic growth is up, the price of inflation is down, real incomes are up, and the price of gas is down. Businesses continue to invest in America. Exports are up, which means we're making things here in America and shipping the products overseas instead of shipping jobs overseas and sending them back here. Wow, sounds terrible. No wonder the Democrats are in so much trouble. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine terrestrial affiliates. And then we also stream coast-to-coast around the globe on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites, or at least most of them, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell-ish fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We have, uh, we've had a lot of environmental news, uh, related news this week, Desi Doyen. Yes, I know. I like it. I know you do. <laughs> uh, frankly, more than we've been able to fit into our twice-weekly six-minute world-famous green news reports. <laughs> Yes. Is that is that bi-weekly? Is that how is that bi-weekly? Is it's that every mean, two weeks? But then there's the other one. I, I bi-weekly don't know. is also I'm not twice the a week. To ask on All that. right. Uh, anyway, we'll have another green news report coming up a little bit later. Um, but we've just had too much to fit into those uh, reports. And I don't know if the unusually high volume in this sort of news uh, coming out this week is because COP 27 is coming up soon in Egypt. Those uh, are the UN climate talks. And COP stands for? Conference of Parties for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. <laughs> well well done. <laughs> and this is like their 27th such meeting. Yes. Terrible name or otherwise. So, yeah, it's anyways, the UN. That's what they do. I don't know if it's that or if it's just the way the world is rolling right now, particularly with Russia's barbaric assault on Ukraine and the way in which that has shaken up the flow of fossil fuels around the globe. But uh, here is an unexpected twist. I mean, really unexpected. Europe now has more natural gas than it knows what to do with. What? Yes, so much, in fact, that spot prices briefly went negative earlier this week. Yes, that means that there was a moment this week with when when suppliers 
we're actually paying purchasers to take the natural gas off their hands. That's how much they have. But I but I thought Europe was heading into winter with fears that people might freeze to death from lack of gas that supplies the bulk of the heating and, and, and energy in the EU. After Russia had largely has largely cut off all supplies. Well, it turns out that is true. There, people were concerned about exactly that, and they, Europe was making a mad dash to fill up their reserves from any and all sources that they could find before the cold weather set in. For months, as CNN reports, officials have warned of an energy crisis this winter as Russia, once the region's biggest supplier of natural gas, slashed supplies in retaliation for sanctions that Europe imposed over its invasion of Ukraine. But now EU gas storage facilities are close to full. Tankers carrying liquefied natural gas or LNG are lining up at ports, unable to unload their cargoes. Because there's nowhere to put it. And prices are tumbling. What? Yes. The price of benchmark European natural gas futures has dropped 20% since last Thursday. And by more than 70% since hitting a record high in late August. On Monday, Dutch gas spot prices for delivery within an hour, which reflect real-time European market conditions, dipped below zero pounds. In other words, here's some money. <laughs> Take the money and the gas and get it out of here. Prices turned negative because of, quote, over of an oversupplied grid. According to the head of gas analytics at the Independent Commodity Intelligence Services, it is a hugely surprising turn of events for Europe, where households and businesses have been clobbered by rises in the price of one of its uh, most important energy sources over the past year. So what's going on here? Well, unseasonably mild weather is largely responsible for the dramatic change in fortune. Thanks, global warming. Proving, yes, right, you're right. <laughs> global warming is a great thing for everybody, <laughs> clearly. Massimo uh, D Eduardo, the vice president of gas and LNG research at Wood Mackenzie, told CNN, quote, in countries like Italy, Spain, France, we're seeing temperatures and gas consumption closer to August and early September levels. Even in countries in the Nordics, the UK and Germany, consumption is way below the average for this time of the year, he added. So, you know. Gulf all year round in the middle of winter, mild temperatures in Europe. This whole climate change thing's working out great. Of course, it's not actually like that. What? Of course, there will be extremes. It means more extremes. So, I yes, while know. there's a warmer November right know. now, it's going to be very high potential of an extremely cold winter or extremely cold winter snaps that will then bring that storage back down. Because remember, the key point there was storage is high for this time of year. I don't know. No, it's high. It's just high. Well, he just I, said for this time of year. And really, that negative spot pricing only lasted for about an hour or so. Well, the negative, but the prices are down. Yes, and that's important. Uh, uh, you know, raising the question of what climate crisis. Everything is great. Of course, <laughs> it is not only that. As uh, noted, Europe has been scrambling to fill up their tanks. And it has worked. Since uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And it has worked. The European Union has built substantial buffers against any further supply cuts by filling gas storage facilities close to capacity. 
Stores are now almost 94% full, according to data from Gas Infrastructure Europe. That's well above the 80% target that the bloc had set to reach by November. They had been hoping to fill them up 80%. Well, they've got them up to 94%. In the bargain, Europe's efforts to secure as much fuel ahead of winter as possible has caused a backlog of LNG tankers at European ports, as 35 vessels are currently either floating near or sailing very slowly towards ports in northwestern Europe and the Iberian Peninsula because of a lack of storage options. Um, prices for uh, natural gas in parts of the Permian Basin in West Texas in the bargain were also falling and trading close to zero. So it's not just in Europe. They were trading close to zero on Monday. That, according to oilprice.com, flourishing natural gas production in the Permian Basin, again, that's West Texas, has swamped pipelines, putting an undue burden on takeaway capacity, resulting in oversupply, an oversupply situation that has caused natural gas prices to sag to as low as 20 cents per MMBTU. Desi Doyen, do you know what MMBTU Uh, is? Metric British thermal unit. Very close. Very close. Uh, well, maybe you're right, actually. What I looked up, it uh, stands for one million British thermal units. Ah. So, well done. Uh, that said, I don't understand any of this. I was told from reliable sources that Joe Biden had cut off energy production in the U.S., which is why everyone's gas bills are skyrocketing. That's what I was told by reliable sources. That's what Republicans and their benefactors in the fossil fuel industry have been telling us now for months, even though it sort of seems like maybe that's not true at all. Could that be like they were, you know, lying while trying to price gouge, price gouge you and me and everyone else just before a critical election or something and trying to blame it on the Democrats in power? Is that possible that I know that couldn't be the case, right? That's what we were told. That the energy was flowing when Donald Trump was in there, but Biden came in and he's killed the entire fossil fuel industry in the U.S. What? Doesn't appear to be the case. It is kind of odd that every single Republican in Congress recently voted and uh, against and successfully killed a Democratic bill that would have prevented fossil fuel companies from price gouging from making record profits at a time that they are pretending that they are being prevented from drilling and therefore they're spiking their the price of gas and oil that you were forced to pay and that every single Republican in Congress is absolutely 100 percent cool with. They're good with it. Because, you know, they got to increase the prices. Uh, You know, they can't drill anymore here and the war in uh, Europe has made it so that, you know, there's just such a high demand. Turns out maybe all of that is nonsense. Turns out maybe all of that is lies just before we get to a critical midterm election. That that price of 20 cents per uh, MMBTU 
Uh, it compares with overall U.S. national gas futures are trading at more than $5 per MMBTU. Still, that's very low. At the same time, U.S. natural gas production was up last week, again, according to oilprices.com. And the warmer weather here has added to U.S. storage inventories as well. Again, thanks to global warming, though it is odd that our so-called free market is pretty much you know, producing more supply of gas and oil than ever, so much they can't find room to store it when it comes to natural gas, and demand is falling due to warm weather and a glut in Europe, and yet the same free market keeps charging you more for it anyway, so that the gas companies can collect record profits. It's like the market is broken or corrupted or something. I blame Joe Biden. Anyway, <laughs> in the meantime, while the uh, globe continues to move to clean renewable energy in big numbers, as we spoke about earlier in the week, but not nearly big enough to avoid the catastrophic consequences the climate scientists continue to warn us about, and more on that from the U.N. this week in our Green News report a little bit later. One other yep. point here that I, I believe uh, Desi and I discussed uh, either on the broadcast or the Green News report, or maybe it was both, I can't remember, months ago, way back after the start of Russia's appalling, unlawful invasion of its sovereign neighbor, Ukraine. Uh, back then, I believe I noted that the one sort of teeny tiny upside, if one can even characterize it that way, uh, of what Russia is doing to their neighbor in Ukraine and to uh, Europe and the rest of the world, one teeny tiny upside was that the uh, invasion and cutting off fossil fuel supplies to Europe would likely send EU countries scrambling not only for alternatives, alternate uh, supplies of fossil fuels, but also scrambling to hasten their move to renewables so they wouldn't be held hostage to belligerent political unrest from nations like Russia and, of course, disruption of fuel supplies thanks to, ironically enough, climate change-related disruptions in supply. So on that front this week, sure enough, some good news from the International Energy Agency, or IEA, this comes via the New York Times' excellent Brad Plumer today. The energy crisis sparked by Russia's invasion of Ukraine is likely to speed up rather than slow down the global transition away from fossil fuels and toward cleaner technologies like wind, solar and electric vehicles, according to the world's leading energy agency on Thursday, just as I had suggested could happen. So, uh, shoot, maybe, you know, Vladimir Putin, whose country, whose entire economy in his country is pretty much based on the exploitation and sale of fossil fuels. Maybe he should have thought this one through before violently spreading his empire across Europe or trying to and cutting off his pipelines to spite his face. While some countries have been burning more fossil fuels, such as coal, this year in response to natural gas shortages caused initially by the war in Ukraine, that effect is expected to be short-lived. The IEA 
uh, notes this in their annual World Energy Outlook. It's a 524-page report. Desi has read every page, <laughs> but I'm relying on Brad Plumer here instead. Uh, it forecasts global energy trends through 2050. Instead, uh, for the first time, the agency now predicts the worldwide demand for every type of fossil fuel will peak in the very near future. One major reason is that many countries have responded to soaring prices for fossil fuels this year by embracing wind turbines, solar panels, nuclear power plants, hydrogen fuels, electric vehicles and electric heat pumps. In the U.S., of course, Congress, without a single Republican vote, approved more than $370 billion in spending for those sorts of technologies under the recent Inflation Reduction Act. Japan is pursuing a new so-called green transformation program that will help fund nuclear power, oh well, uh, but also hydrogen and other low-emission technologies. China, India, and South Korea have all ratcheted up national targets for renewables and, yes, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, depending on the way you look at it, uh, for nuclear power. Uh, though that can't possibly be, I know, not China, not India. It can't be because, again, we have been told by reliable sources, Republicans, over many, many years... By Republicans and the fossil fuel industry, they've been telling us that, you know, we shouldn't bother to get off fossil fuels here in the U.S. because China and India would never do so. Turns out they are doing so. Uh, and in some cases, they're doing it much faster than we are. In a lot of cases, especially in China. Yep. China every year invests more in solar and renewables by multiples greater than the United States. At least up until now, until, until now. the Inflation Reduction yeah. Act was passed. Right. We'll see how that actually gets deployed over the coming years. Nonetheless, as the IAE uh, noted, the shift toward cleaner sources of energy is still not happening fast enough to avoid dangerous levels of global warming, not unless governments take much stronger actions to reduce their planet warming carbon dioxide emissions over the next few years. Meanwhile, the uh, global investment in clean energy is now expected to rise from $1.3 trillion in 2022 to more than $2 trillion annually by 2030, which is a significant shift, according to the agency. Fatih Birol, the agency's executive director, did I say it right? Yes. Close enough. No, that uh, was right. That was right. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, anyway, he said in an interview, it's a he, right? Yes. He said, it's uh, quote, it's notable that many of these new clean energy targets aren't being put in place solely for climate change reasons. Increasingly, the big drivers are energy security as well as industrial policy Um because a lot of countries, he says, want to be at the leading edge of the energy industries of the future. Yes, because you can't ship a rooftop over to China to put solar panels on it <laughs> yeah, and then well. shift it back. In other words, renewable energy domestically created has to be domestically built with domestic jobs. And they want to because they see that, you know, they can see the writing on the wall. We're going to yes. these renewables. And fossil fuels and is wildly volatile. And it's not a good idea to, you know, hook your economy to something that somebody else in another country controls. And if they're going to deploy all kinds of solar panels and wind turbines and they can see that coming they know it's coming they'd rather make it in their own country so they're yeah. all investing 
and in batteries for electric vehicles, etc. So, you know, everyone could see this coming except for the policymakers, uh, it seems, who are hoping to take over the U.S. House and Senate in a couple of weeks here in the U.S. Yes, once again, the Republicans, they want even more dirty, dangerous oil, gas and coal for some reason. Current energy policies, meanwhile, put the world on track to reach peak carbon dioxide emissions by 2025. That might sound good, meaning, you know, in 2025, every year thereafter, we'll start coming down. Sounds good. Unfortunately, even if that happens in 2025, according to the IAEA, we are on a path, even at that measure, to warm to a catastrophic two and a half degrees Celsius or four and a half degrees Fahrenheit by 2100, that compared with pre-industrial levels. In Paris in 2015, the Paris Agreement, world leaders agreed to try to limit average global warming to around one and a half degrees Celsius or 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit in order to avoid some of the most dire and irreversible risks from climate change, such as widespread crop failure, ecosystem collapse, etc., so the goal was 1.5 degrees. Right now, we are on track for raising 2.5 degrees. And uh, to avoid that, as separate projections released Wednesday by the U.N. also found, that would require much steeper cuts in greenhouse gases than we're currently doing, with em uh, emissions not just peaking in the next few years, but actually falling by nearly half by the end of this decade. That is what's needed, according to scientists. The planet has already warmed an average of 1.1 degrees Celsius. And so while these, you know, these numbers may sound small, oh, we got to be one and a half degrees instead of two and a half degrees, with each fraction of a degree of warming, Tens of, more, of millions more people worldwide will be exposed to life-threatening heat waves and food and water scarcity and coastal flooding, while millions more mammals, insects, birds, plants would just disappear. Now, on the brighter side, so the numbers are small, but they're important. Each fraction is important. Yeah, every fraction uh, of degree of warming that is avoided will make a huge difference to us today and tomorrow and for all future generations. Huge. Like I say, millions of people, you know, a, a fraction or two of a degree could mean, you know, millions, tens of millions of people uh, having to be displaced, having to, uh, you know, see crop failure. I, I just don't I think people don't understand the importance of these numbers when they hear them, when they hear, oh, one, one and a half degrees, two degrees. Oh, that doesn't seem like much. It's actually much. It's a lot. It's huge, and it has extraordinary effect. Well, to put it in perspective, if you reduced global temperatures by two degrees Celsius, we'd be in a deep ice age. That's how much it matters. Really? Yes. Sounds nice. <laughs> anyway, on the brighter side, uh, which, which is where we started with this, uh, while global carbon dioxide emissions from fossil fuels are expected to rise roughly 1% and approach record highs in part because of the uptake in coal use in places like Europe as countries try to replace the gas that was lost from Russia. 
That is still a far smaller increase than some analysts had feared when the war in Ukraine first broke out. The rise in emissions would have been three times as large had it not been for the rapid deployment of wind turbines, solar panels, and electric vehicles worldwide in response, according to the IEA. And the recent rise in coal as a stopgap in Europe, as a short-term response to Russia, well, that is likely to prove fleeting. European nations are currently planning to install roughly 50 gigawatts worth of renewable power next year, which would be uh, well more than enough to supplant this year's increase in coal generation. So hopefully that's short-lived. Russia, which had been the world's leading exporter of fossil fuels, is expected to be hit especially hard by the energy disruptions that it has largely created for itself. Oh, sad. As European nations race to reduce their reliance on Russian oil and gas, Russia is likely to face challenges in finding new markets, particularly for its natural gas, according to the report. As a result, Russian fossil fuel exports are unlikely to return to their pre-war levels. I am pretty sure that that was not Putin's intention when he decided to invade Ukraine. Unclear what his intentions were, but it doesn't seem like he thought this one through. Uh, as noted, in any event, more on uh, related matters in our Green News report a little bit later this hour. But all of that, I think, is stuff worth keeping in mind as you are preparing to vote in this year's critical midterm elections if you haven't done so already. You know, actual things that actually make a difference in our lives above and beyond. Well, it's really close. The horse races, uh, they're tied here. And it's, you know, uh, you know, some of the substance and issues that people are voting on might be nice to be discussed as well. Now, I suspect many of you uh, have already voted this year, given that we're seeing early voting numbers in some places that are uh, said to be incredibly enough rivaling early vote numbers from the 2020 presidential election. This is kind of unheard of for a midterm election. So I think that's good news since the rates of early voting seem to be higher for Democrats than for Republicans. But of course, we don't know uh, necessarily who they are voting for. And we don't know how large the Republican Election Day surge will actually be. So the safest bet, I would say, is still to presume every single race in every single state is going to be incredibly close. Because, frankly, if you believe the pre-election polls, and I don't necessarily, but if you believe them, that is what they are telling us. That all of these races are going to be incredibly close. So vote like it, act like it, work like it, encourage your friends and neighbors to vote as well this year. Every vote will count. And spread the good word, too, on all of this stuff that we've been talking about, actual outcomes that are positive from actual climate action and other actions that, for example, the Biden administration is taking. Well, speaking of which, you know, setting aside, again, the, the, the horse race as we try to focus more on both the track conditions that the horses are running on in this election uh, and the substance of the elections. Let's take a quick break here. We will come back with some actual substance on that, uh, a story that sadly I suspect most Americans have not heard about 
from our corporate media, even while we are told that Americans are terribly concerned about economic issues in advance of the midterms, since that, that's what Republicans would rather talk about for some reason than say, oh, I don't know, privacy rights and reproductive freedoms, even as they are proposing no actual plans to improve the economy and the inflation that they pretend to be uh, worried about. And in fact, they're actually taking steps to make it all worse. Anyway, Joe Biden on Wednesday announced new efforts to continue to improve the economy and, yes, save Americans' money. That story and more straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman, and you're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. can't walk away from the price you pay, although Joe Biden is trying to do something about that, too, uh, as well. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Earlier this week, we had a long conversation with progressive investigative financial journalist David Dayan. He's also the executive editor of The American Prospect and the author of the book Monopolized Life in the Age of Corporate Power about a uh, we talked with him about a number of things. One of them was the ridiculous ruling by three Trump appointed judges on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals last week concerning the Federal Consumer Financial Protection Bureau or CFPB. Uh, the, uh, that agency was created with the help of Elizabeth Warren before she became a U.S. senator during the Obama administration. It was a response to the 2008 global financial banking, financial meltdown, whatever we call it, the Great Recession, which, yes, also happened under a Republican president, George W. Bush. In any event, the CFPB was created after that as the only federal agency that primarily supports consumers instead of, you know, corporations. So Republicans have been trying, of course, to kill that CFPB any way that they can think of ever since it was stood up uh, to look after consumers because they are not in favor of consumers. It's what they do. And uh, last week, those three Trump judges on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals cited with a lawsuit that was filed by sleazeballs in the payday lending industry lobby. Those judges declared that the funding mechanism used by Congress to set up the CFPB as an independent agency that couldn't be messed with by Congress was somehow unconstitutional. Now, the CFPB has scoffed at that notion. They're likely to appeal. But if the ruling holds, it would not only kill the CFPB as it is currently set up, but it could also kill hundreds of regulations set up to protect consumers that have been put in place by the uh, CFPB since the agency was created. Also, Uh, It that ruling puts into question the constitutionality of a whole bunch of other federal agencies and programs like the FDA, 
like Medicare and Social Security that are also set up to be funded in a similar way that this right-wing court suddenly decided was somehow unconstitutional despite the fact that it was all set up by Congress, it was signed by the president and so forth. But, you know, maybe Democratic presidents, they don't count as real presidents to these guys. By way of uh, both another example of why the CFPB is critical and how Joe Biden and, yes, the Democrats are actually taking actions to improve the economy and help out the pocketbooks of working Americans while Republicans are running in the midterms uh, claiming that the economy is a disaster, even while they're offering literally zero policy ideas to actually improve any of it. While all that is going on, President Biden on Wednesday highlighted his administration's new push to crack down on so-called junk fees that banks and other companies charge customers determining that some of those fees are, in fact, unlawful. The announcement comes after high inflation has made the economy a top issue for many voters. Biden was joined for the announcement at the White House by the director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which AP describes as the nation's financial watchdog agency created after the Great Recession. And they will now be targeting, among other things, overdraft fees that are charged by banks and bad check fees, which are levied against a bank customer when a check that they received from someone else and deposited turns out to bounce isn't valid. The Bureau's uh, CFPB's new guidance will also now make it illegal for banks to charge an overdraft fee on a transaction when a customer's account shows a positive balance at the time of a purchase or when they withdraw money from their account. But that is not all. When it comes to junk fees that are being targeted now by the CFPB and the administration, when it comes to what amounts to billions of dollars each year that are taken essentially from American families and given to these huge corporation here corporations. Here was uh, some of the president's remarks at the White House on Wednesday. Today, my administration uh, is announcing new actions to lower the cost of everyday living for American families to put more money in the pockets of middle income and working class Americans to hold big corporations accountable. And these steps will immediately start saving Americans collectively billions of dollars in unfair fees. And I'm here with the director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Mr. Chopra, as well as the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, Lena Khan. And we're remembering uh, we're, they're, they're members of the Competition Council that I created last year to promote competition across the economy and lower costs for families. One of the key things I've asked the council to take on was the unfair hidden fees known as junk fees that are taking real money, real money out of your pockets, real money out of the pockets of American families. Things like, as been mentioned, surprise banking overdraft fees, excessive credit card late fees, hidden hotel booking fees, or those huge termination charges to stop you from switching cable and internet plans to, do, to a better deal. Surprise charges that companies sneak into bills because they can. In fact, there's an entire industry that's popping up in America to help companies use complicated algorithms to hide fees that hurt consumers and help them. These things add up. <clears throat> Remember, we talked in the beginning of the administration about the study done, I think it was at Penn, 
that if an average family got a $400 in uh, charges or bills in a month, that they couldn't pay, they'd have to sell something and or have to, ha and, or have to borrow the money? Well, <clears throat> this adds up to more than $400 for a lot of families. The way I think about it, the way have you heard me say it before, my dad used to talk about it, and so many other people talk about it around their kitchen tables. How much your monthly bills, how much do you have to pay for necessities? And is there enough left over just to have a little breathing room? We're making progress in bringing down the cost of families. And by the way, the price of gasoline continues to fall. It's down for the third week in a row. They're down $1.25 a gallon from the beginning of the summer, and gas prices in the decade before the pandemic were averaging $3.30 before the pandemic, before I got here. During the pandemic, there was no one was driving, so the gas prices went down. But even with historic recovery, we're seeing in the economy of 10 million new jobs and unemployment of 3.5%, gas prices are continuing to go down. And because they're going down, we're making serious progress in getting prices close to what they were before the pandemic. And they're going to come down even further when gas companies, when the oil companies agree to our demand, my demand to pass on the savings from the price of a barrel of oil, which is considerably down, to the pump. But each year, these junk fees, in addition, that companies charge cost America tens of billions of dollars, weighing down family budgets and making it harder for people to pay their bills. So my administration is taking action to eliminate these fees. First, imagine this. Your child outgrows his bicycle, and you decide to sell it online. And someone pays you a check. Days later, that check that you got paid with, that you deposited in your bank, it bounces. You get charged 15 bucks. It's wrong. It's ridiculous. It's unfair. My administration is making clear today it's illegal as well. Second, my administration is also making clear surprise overdraft fees are illegal. You pay a bill and uh, you double check your bank account to make sure before you write the check that you have enough in your account to cover it. You've gotten the money, so you go ahead and you pay. And it turns out your balance wasn't up to date because your bank was slow in processing other charges. And by the time the bank gets around to setting the, settling the transaction, you've overdrawn your account. You're charging an overdraft fee that runs around $35 each time. It's not your fault. The bank screwed up. You didn't. The bank did. You had a positive balance when you paid the bill. It's just simply wrong. And today, my administration making clear it's also illegal. Today's actions are going to save consumers more than $1 billion each year. And that's a lot of money back in people's pockets. As Director Chopra uh, shared this morning, that his team is even going further developing rules and guidance that would take credit card late fees and other banking fees that cost America's $24 million billion a year. Take them on. And we're just getting started. There are tens of billions of dollars in other junk fees across the economy. And I've directed my administration to reduce or eliminate them. Last week, the Federal Trade Commission started work on a rule to crack down on unfair and deceptive fees across all industries. Fees that were never disclosed, never disclosed. And there was no way to avoid the fee, like processing fees for concert tickets or like resort, or resort fees. When you think you're paying one price to book a hotel, you only find out after you're checking out that there's a resort fee you never heard about that's added to your bill. And the Department of Transportation is going after unfair airline fees. Last summer, if your flight was canceled or delayed, only one top airline 
guaranteed that you could rebook for free, even because they're the ones that canceled, not you. You didn't fill a show up. They, can't, they, were, they, they canceled. When Secretary Buttigieg called them out on this, about 10 airlines, uh, now 10 airlines rebook for free. They don't charge the fee. That's progress. The Department of Transportation is working on rules that would require airlines and travel sites to disclose fees up front. Fees like things, if you want to sit next to your young child <laughs> or your, check your baggage or change your ticket, you're going to be surprised. They're going to charge you for that without telling you. Your ticket's going to cost a heck of a lot more. And that's not a Federal Communications Commission. They're working on a rule that would make the same thing for fees that Internet companies charge, requiring them to show those costs up front. I'm not saying they can't charge it, but you've got to let you know they're going to charge it. You can make a decision. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans, the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. They benefit big corporations, not consumers, not working families. And that changes now. I know it's been a tough few years. But from day one, my administration has been laser-focused on easing the burden facing working-class families and giving them, as my dad would say again, just a little breathing room. Because of the steps we've taken, the United States is in a stronger position today than any other country in the world economically. Jobs are up. People are back to work. American manufacturers are roaring back. Manufacturing computer chips will put tens of thousands of Americans to work. Working hard to tame inflation with policies that bring down the cost of gasoline, home energy bills, and prescription drugs. In the meantime, we've been delivering concrete savings for working families and seniors. We've made, for example, hearing aids more affordable and available over the counter at prices at places like Walgreens and Walmart so that tens of millions of Americans with hearing loss don't have to pay expensive visits to specialists and saving people as much as $3,000 per pair of hearing aids. $3,000. We've also made it possible for tens of millions of Americans to get free or low-cost Internet. If you want to get that, go to getinternet.gov. I'll lay out for you how you do it to check your eligibility to get 30 bucks off your Internet bill every month. In addition to taking action today to restrict two particularly egregious types of banking fees, my administration has pushed banks to reduce the fees they charge for consumers across the board. The result? 15 of the nation's 20 largest banks are voluntarily getting rid of bounty checks charges entirely. They're going forward with the director's team is also developing rules for guidance that would require banks to go even further in addressing additional types of junk fees. They're working to lower prices and increase competition across the whole economy. Because when companies compete, products get better, prices go down, wages go up. We encourage innovation when that occurs. And America leads the world. It's called capitalism. I've said it before, capitalism without competition isn't capitalism. It's exploitation. Mm -hmm. Folks, there are two very different ways of looking at our country. One is, as I've said before, the view from Park Avenue, which says help the wealthy and maybe that'll trickle down to everyone in the country. The other is from Scranton or Claymont or thousands of cities across the country like the place I grew up. The benefit and the belief that the backbone of America, people get up every morning 
and work for a living, put on their shoes, get out of bed and go to work. The middle class, they're the ones who built this country. That's who our country should work for. And we're going to keep taking concrete actions like this. You're going to hear more from me on this to make sure it does. And when it go, when it does, not only are they going to do well, the wealthy will do very well as well. So, folks, look, it's taken a little bit to get this competition piece moving. But there's a lot out there. It's going to change, not the lives, it's going to change the circumstance for an awful lot of hard-working middle-class folks. Yep, it will. And I know that, you know, some of this seems like small ball, a few dollars here, a few dollars there, but it amounts to billions. And I'll tell you what, I will, I'll go on record right now. I, I will vote for Democrats for the rest of my life if they will <laughs> take away the fees for my cable box that I got 20 years ago that they charged me $5 a month for. Now the same exact cable box that has not changed, they charge like 15 or 20 bucks a month for. How can they do that? How can they get away with that? Uh, so hopefully the CFPB will look into that as well. Anyway, that was President Biden at the White House on Wednesday. And I wanted to run it because, you know, while everyone else is talking around the clock about the horse race and the polls here and there and how they're tightening, and I thought it might actually help to, I don't know, educate the electorate about what sort of issues of substance are actually at stake in these upcoming critical midterm elections on November 8. Well, there is an idea. And while it, it, it seems difficult to imagine that anyone would actually be against, uh, you know, pretty much anything that the president just described other than the giant corporations who make billions from those slimy fees. Well, you don't actually have to imagine uh, anyone else being against it. Within hours of the announcement, Republicans who are set to take over the House and or the Senate if things go their way on November 8. And they will have the ability to gut many of the things that the CFPB has been doing, if not kill the consumer agency entirely. They attacked the Bureau's announcement on Wednesday on these junk fees charged to Americans. Quote, it's no surprise, said Senator Pat Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania. He's the top Republican on the Senate Banking Committee. Uh, he said in a statement, it's no surprise that an out of control and unaccountable agency, which the Fifth Circuit recently ruled as unconstitutional, has chosen to sidestep the congressionally mandated rulemaking process to change the rules of the road. Republican members of both the House and Senate released blistering statements in response to the CFPB's actions announcing uh, announced by Biden on Wednesday and vowed to roll them back just as soon as they get the power to do so in the, uh, with control of the House or the Senate. So just in case you needed anything else uh, to further help you decide one way or the other about which party deserves your vote this year, the party complaining about the economy but offering zero actual policy proposals to improve it, or the party actually taking pretty huge action to help Americans save money. A party who passed a bill without a single Republican vote to put a cap on prescription drug prices for seniors each uh, year, to limit the cost of insulin to no more than $35 a month, at least for people on uh, federal health care like Medicare or Medicaid, because Republicans stepped in. It would have been for everyone limited to $35 a month, but Republicans stepped in to block that. 
and to allow Medicare, Democrats did for the first time ever, to actually allow Medicare to negotiate uh, for pharmaceutical prices with the pharmaceutical companies to lower those prices. And yes, Biden has been releasing oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to lower gas prices and make money for the federal government at the same time, while the GOP has both complained about gas prices and tried to block Biden's work to lower those prices. And that's before we even get to Biden's recent forgiveness of up to $20,000 in student loans for each borrower around the country. Again, up to you who you want to vote for, but it might be useful if you know some actual facts before casting that vote, above and beyond the sports-like coverage of so much uh, that we see from the news media telling you who is up and who is down, etc. And one more thought before we get to Green News Report. Recall Biden's remarks uh, there about capitalism and competition. Well, here's how huge capitalist corporations help somehow legally to buy their way out of any competition and regulations that protect consumers. Amazon has resumed political contributions to lawmakers who voted to object to the 2020 electoral vote count on January 6, 2021, the day that Trump supporters attacked the U.S. Capitol to try to steal the election for Donald Trump. Amazon's contributions were to nine lawmakers, all of whom voted against the certification of the confirmed and state-certified electoral votes. In the aftermath of January 6, Amazon announced that its corporate PAC would pause contributions to such members of Congress and said that they intended, quote, to discuss our concerns directly with those members that we have previously supported and will evaluate their responses as we consider future contributions. At the time, Amazon called the objections to Biden's electoral certification a, quote, unacceptable attempt to undermine a legitimate democratic process. Well, I guess it was only unacceptable for a while, hmm. you know, just until the next big election, apparently. Amazon said uh, when we announced shortly after the attack that we would suspend donations to members of Congress who voted against certifying the results, it was not intended to be permanent. <laughs> they say it's been more than 21 months since that suspension. And like a number of companies, we've resumed giving to some members. So, you know, they donated up until the last big election, and then they paused until just before the next big election. Very impressive and patriotic, Amazon. Just something else to keep in mind as you decide who to vote for this year. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and her Green News Report with probably much more along all of these lines uh, to think about. I'm Brad Friedman. This is The Bradcast. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, 
It is the siren song <laughs> of our latest Green News report. After a year of brutal drought this winter, NOAA is predicting warmer temperatures in much of the country and below normal precipitation. Drought deepens across the U.S., disrupting crops and increasing fire risks. U.N. warns emissions are rising and nations must do more to avoid catastrophe. Plus, this bus symbolizes so much about our collective investment in our future. Biden administration kicks off transition to all electric school buses. The wheels on the bus go round and round in those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The UK's next prime minister will be former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, who will be Britain's first leader of South Asian descent, its first Hindu prime minister, and the nation's first leader of color. Which means, which means, Britons will be able to run their entire power grid off the turbines connected to Queen Victoria spinning in her grave. We'll take any innovation we can get. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we're starting off winter with some not good news from NOAA? Nope, not good at all. Drought is deepening across large swaths of the U.S., threatening parts of the nation's food supply and hydroelectric power, killing crops and increasing fire risks. That's according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The federal U.S. Drought Monitor reports that more than 80% of the country is experiencing at least abnormally dry conditions, the highest percentage since the drought monitor launched in 2000. Extreme drought is expanding in the Midwest, triggering federal cash assistance programs for farmers and livestock ranchers in hard-hit areas. On the Mississippi River, record low water level is dramatically curtailing barges, transporting crops, steel, oil, and other commodities, raising shipping costs by 300 percent. The only real solution is waiting for the rain to return, according to Wall Street Journal reporter Cameron McWhorter. There's hope that beginning around December rain will start to fall in the Ohio River Valley to an extent where it'll start to bring that water back down to the Mississippi and things will get better. If not, we're all in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Keep hope alive. As the world gears up for the next round of U.N. climate talks in Egypt in a few weeks, the annual U.N. Emissions Gap Report in advance of the conference finds, again, that nations' current voluntary emissions reductions and climate adaptation pledges are not enough to keep temperatures from rising above the 1.5 degree Celsius target in the Paris Climate Agreement. That is the threshold for preventing catastrophic impacts for people and nature. Current pledges put humanity on track to hit 2.5 degrees Celsius of warming by the end of this century, with the report warning that countries need to cut annual emissions by 40 percent by 2030. A second report by the World Meteorological Organization finds emissions of three potent climate warming gases, carbon monoxide, methane, and nitrous oxide, all reached record concentrations in the atmosphere last year. A third report from UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund, warns that children will be increasingly exposed to extreme heat events. Mm. Today, one in four children experience extreme heat waves, but by 2050, that's within 30 years, 
All children will be exposed to more frequent extreme heat waves. Man, we suck at this. The report calls for more international funding to help vulnerable communities and people adapt and prepare. Yes, please. Here in the U.S., the Fish and Wildlife Service this week granted federal endangered species protection to iconic emperor penguins, the world's largest penguin species. The species is in danger of extinction in coming decades Mm. due to man-made global warming, melting sea ice, and destabilizing the habitat. But there is some good news. Thank you. Australia is building the world's largest battery, 850 megawatts, to replace a massive polluting coal-fired power plant. Now, actually, it's a bunch of a series of batteries. It's not like one big, great, big, <laughs> enormous AA battery, right? That is true. Okay. That would be one gigantic Energizer bunny. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Finally, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Seattle on Wednesday to roll out the first installment of funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law to help school districts replace polluting diesel-fueled school buses. The first billion dollars in grants will pay for 2,500 all-electric buses in 400 school districts across all 50 states, with billions more to come. High school junior Audrey Gamerick, who introduced Vice President Harris, called on adults to do more. Transitioning from fossil fuel buses to clean energy is a step in the right direction towards ensuring a prosperous future for younger generations. But it cannot be our last. Sustainable practices such as the Clean School Bus Program in American schools set a standard of climate-centered action to be mirrored throughout society. Cool. Are they going to put seatbelts on them this time? That's a good question. I don't Mm. know. Yeah. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. God knows I love that bus. There you go. Hey, you know who sings that song? Who? That's the Bacon Brothers. Really? Kevin Bacon. Wow. Go figure. Anyway, thanks, Desi. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com, where there is no paywall. That is made possible by you folks kind enough to donate to our efforts by, oh, I don't know, stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you in advance. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Got a good one.